1: Even podcasts.
0: Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
1: Free throw on the way. It's up and no good. Rebound tipped out. Thompson's got it. Thompson will dribble it up. No timeout. 10 seconds to go. Cross court, Kaminga. Kaminga finds Curry. Curry steps around. Now with three, Curry with two, trapped, lost the ball. Game's over. My goodness. Final score, Curry was trapped, double teamed. What a heartbreaker in a year that is filled, and I mean filled, with heartbreakers. It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll bring you into the locker room and hear from Coach Kerr and the players. Highlights from the game. Warriors Wrap-Up
3: starts now. That's a pretty appropriate way to put it. Uh, In a year in which there has been on-court, off-court heartbreak, uh, the Golden State Warriors suffer another one tonight at the hands, this time of the Sacramento Kings. A one-point loss each of the last three games now. Between these NorCal rivals, the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings have come down to one point. Tonight... Advantage Sacramento, 134-133, to 133. and this is Warriors wrap-up here on 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings with you. Appreciate you joining us on YouTube. Also, if you want to chime in on the game, Comcast Business Text Line is open. We are lighting this thing up because there is a lot to break down, specifically in the final seconds of this basketball game. And, and I don't think there's really any other place to start. To me, the final possession, but even going back, the final two possessions for me for the Warriors, what – what were they? I mean we we got we got some larger questions that I wanna dig into as well. And it at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the number. We'll be taking your calls uh, for the better part of the next hour here on Warriors Wrap Up, but really Honing in on the final possession for the Golden State Warriors of this game. It was a wire-to-wire affair. It was pretty much back and forth all night. I thought these two teams, look, they shot the hell out of the basketball. You just look at the overall numbers. The Kings ended up making 22 threes. That was tied for the second most number of threes in a single game for them this season. Harrison Barnes was a massive reason why. The Warriors, however, also shot the ball extremely well. 19-3, shot over 50% percent from three-point range, nearly 56% from the floor on the game. Curry, 33 points. Jonathan Kaminga, a career-high 31 for him off the bench. This was a fantastic offensive performance from both teams, and pretty much appropriately for these two sides, it came down to the final possession. So, Kevin Herter Dude did not want any part of those free throws. I was in the media section looking at a couple of media members. And also, if you recall, he had an open three before the Sabonis dunk to put them up by a point that was wide open. I I looked at both sides. I looked at both people on on, on the side of me. I said, that's not going in. When he steps to the free throw line, he, there's no chance he's making two. He might make one if he's lucky. He bricks both. And the Golden State Warriors run up the court. They got pretty much 15 seconds to work with here, and they end up getting nothing. They don't get a shot. Instead, it turns into a turnover. As Stephen Curry dribbles the ball off of his foot and ends up in the backcourt, the game is over. But but this is where it all gets confusing. It all gets frustrating. One. The Warriors had one timeout in that situation. And Steve Kerr has talked about in the past In those spots, and we'll hear from him later on, I'm sure, as we continue on to Warriors' wrap-up, he's always discussed that he doesn't want the defense allowed time to get set in those kind of positions. And the Warriors, throughout their dynasty, have done a really fine job at turning frenetic types of possessions into advantageous opportunities. Now, that has not happened this season, and it has really not happened each of the last... Two seasons, or one and a half, however you want to slice it. Uh, There is something about the idea of clutch that I want to dig into deeper in just a little bit. But as for now, honing in on the final possession. Clay brings it up the court, hands it off to Kaminga. Right then, whoop, whistle, timeout. You know why? Because I see four Warriors in the same spot, and none of them know what to do. The Sacramento Kings, after two missed free throws, that should have sent them into a frenzy because you're expecting at least one to be made by a pretty decent free-throw free throw shooter in Kevin Herter. He doesn't make any. Sacramento should be the team that's ideally, in Steve Kerr's perfect world, back on their heels, right? They look defensively set right from the get-go. Meanwhile, the Warriors didn't look like they had, one, expected Herder to miss one, if not both, and two, didn't have a play that it looked like they were going to run If they got the ball and decided not to take a timeout. So I was confused as to why there was no in the spur of the moment. Like, if you don't take the timeout at the beginning of that whole setup, right? You have one, you decide with 15 seconds left, we're going to bring this ball up the court. We're going to try to initiate our offense quickly, get into a shot, because again, you got to get a shot up you got to get a shot up quick. You're down by one. You can't just let this thing go into overtime. You get a shot up as quickly as possible because if you miss, then you at least have chance, again, to foul again. If you foul, then you set yourself up once more for a three-pointer that could tie this game and send it to overtime. So you essentially have two chances if you get a shot up quick. They got no shots, but my thing is once Kaminga gets that ball and he's looking for Steph to hand it off, there are three people, three people, that can call a timeout there. Number one, obviously the head coach, Steve Curry. He's the one looking at the sidelines, uh, watching this thing unfold. If he sees four people in the same spot, hunched up on the side of the court while Sacramento has his defense already set, that's an opportunity to call a timeout. Number two, the second person, the guy with the ball, Stephen Curry. If you, as a ball handler, don't know where you're going with the ball, and it looked like the play, uh, maybe this was decided and it's understandable, Curry, hey, create try and go one on one, you're going to win us the game or lose us the game. That's understandable. You're our MVP, you're the best player on this team. You've been clutch to the past. Get the ball and get a shot. He has a chance to call a timeout if it doesn't look if it doesn't look like anything's there. To me, once he got that handoff It didn't look like he felt like there was anything there, especially there was about five seconds left. He gets to the top of the key. He's looking to go left. He's got Murray on him. There's length all around him. Even if he gets that shot up, it's a step back 30 footer. And if it went in, that's great. You're in jubilation, but that's not a high percentage look even for someone like Curry. That's the second person that can call a timeout. The third person that can call a timeout, in my opinion, on that play is the guy who's supposed to be, quote-unquote, the smartest player on the floor. That's Draymond Green. You are allowed, if you if you don't have the ball, to call a timeout. If you see this unfolding, you're not a part of the play. Draymond Green, in a perfect world, is not taking that shot in the final possession. So... If you see that Curry's not going to get a good look, if you see that J.K. doesn't really know, he's looking for someone to hand the ball off to, that Klay Thompson's across half court, he's not in position. You got four guys that essentially aren't spreading the floor whatsoever, and the Kings are already set back on defense. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're surveying this entire situation. You can call a timeout. There are three people on that final possession, in my opinion, that have the cachet, the wherewithal, and the ability to recognize in the moment that there should be a timeout called even if you decide that you don't want to take the timeout after your rebound with 15 seconds left. I understand there's a debate whether you want to take the timeout as soon as you get it, you want to set up an an ATO play out of bounds. That we can talk about. But to me, once you bring the ball across half court, you make the philosophical decision, which the Warriors have time and time again, you're not taking a timeout off the rebound. Once you get across half court and it looks like nothing's there, there are three people that can call a timeout on that play. The head coach, the guy with the ball, and the guy who's supposed to be the smartest man on the court. That is Steve Kerr, Stephen Curry, and Draymond Green, and none of them did it. That is a major reason that I had an issue with the final possession, and it's unfortunately a big reason why I think the Warriors did not get a shot up and eventually lost this game by a final score of 134-133. to If you agree, if you disagree, if you had a different take on the situation of the final possession of the game, I do want to hear from you at 888-957-9570 because to me this is who this is is absolutely a, a a tough loss but one that has become, you know, I, I think a, a little bit understandable and because it's become kind of commonplace. that the Warriors have have not necessarily been the most clutch team this season, they found themselves in these situations more times than not, and they have not responded always necessarily well. And that's something that, you know, quite frankly, if you, if you take a look at right now, the Warriors have played in 31 clutch games, right? They are currently 15 and 16 in these clutch games. Games decided by five points in the final five minutes of a basketball game. The Warriors right now are a game below. They are right now, as their record stands, you know, nineteen and twenty-three. They're four games below five hundred. Um, <laughs> I'm already seeing texts from the six-five-zero in the Comcast business text line. Uh, you know, th- this game is too late. We've lost countless games because of uh, arrogance of resting Curry. The last basket should have been a lob to Kaminga. How do we not get a shot off seven-zero-two to not even come close? Uh, in nine two five, you see a double Steph pass the ball. Steph losses the game. There's a lot of people you can point the finger at. The fact of the matter is, when they have had the ball on a final possession, the entire game plan has been, Curry, make it happen. Turn something into magic. Turn water to wine. Bail us out. And... While in a vacuum, that's all well and good, and Steph Curry is on his way to the Hall of Fame, and he's the greatest player in Warriors history and all the rest. He is, because of his size, and as well as age, he's 35 years old. He is easier to attack in these situations, in my opinion, especially with a team that has length, like the Kings do, and they're not a great defensive team. It's easier to frustrate him when he's trying to go one-on-three or one-on-two or one-on-one. It's easier to make his life difficult in those type of final situations. And if you're going to do that, that's okay. But it can't be that type of frenetic, just impromptu, improvisational. Like, the Warriors were freestyling on the last possession. And I hate to break it to you, when you freestyle, you eventually hit a a verbal wall. You know, whether you're rapping, whether you're, I don't know, you're you're dancing, um, whether you're doing anything off the cuff, you eventually hit a wall. And that's what it looked like the Warriors did. They hit it extremely quickly. And it just sucks that Curry was the person who ended up with the ball in his hands and dribbled it off his foot because he looked like a deer in headlights. And that's not the only time that that's happened. Now, he's looked poised. He's looked calm. In fact, the Warriors clutched up against the Sacramento Kings earlier this season when Klay Thompson hit a buzzer-beating shot. I would have to go back and look because I don't remember off the top of my head whether or not the Warriors had that game-winning shot by Klay Thompson after a timeout or whether it was in the flow of a game. Now, I did read just moments ago that Steve Kerr was saying that the reason for not taking a timeout of that situation was because he didn't want to let the defense get set. And this is another part of it, too. Okay, so I understand that you don't take timeouts immediately because you don't want to allow the opposition to sub in and bring in defensive players. To me, why that doesn't apply to the Sacramento Kings, because I already laid out why you could call a timeout in the middle of the play. And again, I think there's three people that could call a timeout in the middle of that play, one being the head coach, one being the guy with the ball, one being Draymond Green who's surveying the rest of the play, who's actually on the court. Okay, so if you're going to take a timeout, and I would also have been a proponent of taking a timeout the moment that they grabbed that rebound off of the missed free throw is because Sacramento doesn't have the personnel that they're going to bring into the game that's all of a sudden going to be defensive stoppers. Their best defensive players are probably on the court there anyways because they're not a great defensive team. So if the defense is set, and they were in the flow of that that last possession anyways, but even if you run a play out of a timeout, the defense is going to be set. You're not worried about, okay, well, you know, are they going to go? I mean, maybe Davion, Davion Mitchell comes into the game, who's a, you know probably their best on-ball defender. Um, that might be the only switch that, that Mike Brown is going to make. you know. So I, I still think that they would have been better having gotten set out of a timeout or at some point in that possession. So I, if you agree with me, if you disagree with me, I do want to hear from you. 888 Let's kick things off with Nick in Napa. What's up, Nick? You're on with Evan Giddings on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. How are you?
4: Uh, good. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I definitely think they should have used a the timeout. They look pretty flustered. I, I think, uh, in general, that uh, the teams have been trying to take the ball out of war- out of Curry's hands at all costs, and the Warriors aren't adjusting at the end of the game.
3: No, I I, I agree. Yeah, because it, it's it's easier to do. I mean, I know that the Warriors had Kaminga, who had his well, he had his best offensive game of his career. He had 31 points. That's a career high. Klay Thompson is a is a sharpshooter. I guess the only guy you could say, I guess maybe could have been in the game for offensive purposes because he can create his own shot as Wiggins, but no, like you're gonna live and die with Steph. I, it isn't as if Steph taking the final shot is the wrong choice, but how they went about doing it is why people are and it <laughs> turned into tizzy right now uh, in the in the wrong way, you know, turned in turned in knots. Like, <laughs> and I'm just I'm reading some of these comments and. I understand some of the displeasure with, with Steve Kerr, but I think we're, we're really just trying to get down to why they keep losing these difficult spots. And look, it's been a, a really difficult couple of weeks for the Golden State Warriors, and for them to get their emotional win last night and get back to some seldom of normalcy is certainly uh, a, a positive within this week. But, but it doesn't make any difference that Tonight, absolutely hurt. Um, even going back to possession before, I thought it was interesting that, and maybe this is why Curtin called a timeout, because the AOT play, the possession before didn't work. With 47.7 seconds left, Curry's the inbounder, and, or pardon me, sorry, it was Pods who was the inbounder, brought him in for Wiggins. He dumps it directly to Kaminga, and Kaminga, again, who had been fantastic the entire night, especially attacking the rim turns and and I thought he got a little bit excited in that situation. Goes up, might have got fouled, might have not, but Harrison Barnes punches it away from him and then the Kings are able to go down. The Warriors, by the way, and this is another part of it too, the Warriors could have avoided that situation after they got the lead because another out-of-bounds play. Curry, who was the inbounder in this situation, going back to just under a minute, Passes to Draymond Green. Green finds Kaminga on a beautiful cut with a f- gorgeous pass as J.K. goes up to give the Warriors a 133-132 lead. Next time down, offensively, the Kings have two open looks to take the lead. And what happens, they miss a shot from the corner, and then Kevin Herter misses a wide-open three, two offensive rebounds, one of which, which was grabbed by Herder. Results in a Sabonis slam dunk who is wide open after they get an out-of-bounds play with 22.1 seconds left. So maybe you just take the data from both sides in the last couple of of possessions and say, hey, teams were scoring or getting good looks in timeouts, out-of-bounds plays. Um, whether it be after a timeout, whether it be a ball out of bounds, they were getting good looks and the Warriors had a chance to close that game if they could grab a rebound, but they could not do it. And sorry, the Kaminga block was with 15 seconds left before the Herder, uh, free throw. I mean, this game, you could just go down the final five minutes of this game. You know, Curry gets, uh... Curry gets a layup to to make it a a one-point game with 4.43 left. Then De'Aaron Fox hits a couple of back-to-back difficult threes to make it a seven-point game. That was at a point in which Kaminga was taken out of the game. I know some people felt like it was from about 5.30 until around the four-minute mark when he returned. People felt like Steve Kerr, should not have taken Kaminga out in that situation. To me, that was just a result of Kaminga having played 11 straight minutes of game time and really needing to, you know, kind of give him a rest in that situation. I thought there was a question down the stretch of whether Kerr had stuck with Pajenski too long instead of Klay Thompson, who, despite not shooting it necessarily well, I thought was able to give them some impact. Uh even though, you know, Barnes gave him a couple of post-ups down the stretch of that game, defensively took advantage of him. You know, so that was a 50-50 call. Like, I don't think the coaching decisions in this game outside of maybe the final two possessions were all that uh, criticizable, if that's even a word. I Like, you can't—I didn't think there was a whole lot throughout this game that I looked at Kerr and said, that's glaring, that needs to be done differently, and this is why the Warriors lost this game. I think they lost the game— because it came down to a final possession. The Kings were able to get a good look. They missed a couple of clutch free throws, and then the Warriors just simply did not know what to do on that final possession. If you look at an opposing team and they make 22 threes and you have a chance to win the game, I think you played pretty well as a whole. Unfortunately, it hurts because you're the one walking away with an L. And you're not the one that won a game that was certainly there for you to win. I'm not saying the Warriors should have won this game. I thought Sacramento came out firing. They scored 40 points in the first quarter. And Curry largely kept the Warriors in this. But they absolutely fought. They shot the hell out of the ball themselves. And they find themselves on the short end of the stick, 134-133. to Uh, Let's get to... A Steve Kerr interview, because I believe he had a couple of interesting things to say after the game. Of course, he's going to touch on the final possession, uh, but also this idea that I want to get into, a larger idea about the war is being clutch or not. So 888-957-9570 is the number if you want to chime in on the Comcast business text line. But here is what Steve Kerr had to say after the game.
4: The last possession, it looked like uh, you you almost called timeout a couple times. Why didn't you? And then, uh, yeah, why didn't
5: you? Yeah, I I trust, you know, these guys have been together for so long. Um, I really prefer the scramble situations at the end of games where a defense um, can't, you know, get set up and make subs. And, you know, um, and so I, I, you know, this this is one that, you know, it just it keeps you up at night, you know. Um, but we got to the picture we wanted. We got the Steph Draymond uh, pick and roll at the top. We had good spacing. Um, you know, the, the the I thought maybe we were going to get get um, Draymond on the roll with the spacing on either side and get a good shot because they doubled Steph. And uh, but but he didn't. You know, he just couldn't get it to Draymond in that situation. They they did a good job of doubling him. And uh, you know, when the play's over, then you're like. Yeah, you know, um, could have taken a time out and that's um, it's, it's, a, it's always a difficult decision down the stretch. but um, I've seen those guys convert in that situation a million times. and like I said, we, we got to the picture we wanted eventually. Um, just didn't pan out. Hey, Steve, it seemed like J.K. caught the ball just crossing half-court there and might have had a lane to the rim. Do you think that maybe the guys were a little I'm too— I'm sorry, say it again? seemed like on that final possession after Herder missed those two free throws, Clay got the, Clay got the rebound, pitched it ahead to J.K. Yeah. J.K. caught, past half-court. seemed like he might have had a lane to the rim as the Kings were getting back. Do you think maybe you guys might have been a little too deferential uh, to getting the ball to Steph there? I haven't seen the play um, yet. I haven't watched the replay, um, but— um, you know JK is uh he's a young player he had a phenomenal night tonight again this is um just a string of great ga- games from him and um so you know we went to him the, the the possession before down on the block and and uh so he's really um earning you know the trust of his teammates and and uh so uh, he's he's getting better and better. So you know I haven't watched that play. you know there's always stuff you could have done, you know this or that, but um, he was he was phenomenal tonight. You're happy with them getting to the pick and Yeah, yeah, I mean that's, you know, we've been doing this for a long time and those guys know exactly, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. And like I said, you get the defense scattered. Uh, the, you know, maybe the time to take the timeout would have been earlier when um, when we didn't have the spacing, maybe, you know, 12-13 seconds left. Uh, but once we got the ball out to Steph and uh, Draymond stepped into the pick and roll, I like that picture and that's kind of, you know, what we've done for a long time. And like I said, they made a good defensive play and um, you know they, they deserve the win Steve it looked like Steph
2: uh, you know wasn't sure what he wanted to do step back pass is it odd to watch I mean there's been a lot of games where your star players your guys that won championships have made mistakes down the stretch is it, is it odd to watch do you figure they'll, it'll click at some point like it always has or is, is something just different about them and maybe this year maybe the league or whatever
5: Honestly, um, you know, w- w- the-, the difference is every game is close now. You know, I think in the past um, we had um, we had plenty of games like this where you know we um, you know miss a shot at the end or don't execute and and um, but. W- You know, because every game is tight and our record is what it is, I think there's just a spotlight on every single uh, late game situation, and um, I think we've still, you know, played more clutch games than any team in the league. Um, And so when we when we don't convert, it's it's just exposed because it's um, you know we are where we are and we're you know trying to fight our way into the playoffs. And uh, but we you know those type of situations in the past, we didn't always convert. We had plenty of nights where we didn't uh, execute and, um, you know, came out on the wrong end
3: of things. So that was Steve Kerr after the Warriors fell 134-133 to to the Sacramento Kings tonight at Chase Center. Like you said, the 31st clutch game that the Warriors have played. And uh, I, I'm i curious what people took away from that. I mean, to me, that that's kind of the larger discussion here. Yes, we, we can second-guess the, the timeout or – lack of a timeout in that final 15 seconds. But, you know, to me, the Warriors, because they've played in so many games, and, and this is kind of the, the question I have for people, because I got a few texts after the game. They know I was going to be doing Warriors wrap-up, and they'd ask me, you know, like, how are the Warriors in the final couple minutes of these basketball games? Because it seems like they're always losing, right? Are the Warriors clutch, or are the Warriors not? And this is the question that I I've, I've kind of been posed by a couple friends. And the answer is no. They're not clutch. But they're not as unclutch as you might think. Right now they're 15 and 16 in clutch games, games decided by five points in the final 5 minutes. That means they have they are tied for the second most clutch wins in the NBA. They're also Tied for the third most losses in clutch time in the NBA. So right now, the Warriors are pretty much middle of the pack. Like, if I told you that, you just look at some of these clutch clutch numbers, clutch stats, right? The Warriors have as many clutch wins as the Denver Nuggets. And they got as many clutch losses as the San Antonio Spurs. They're somewhere in the middle, right? They've played a ton of these games. But they're a more clutch team by winning percentage than the Philadelphia 76ers, who are a damn good basketball team. They see them on Tuesday, by the way. They're a more clutch team by winning percentage than the Cleveland Cavaliers, who look like a pretty formidable opponent in the Eastern Conference. A team that's only a game above 500 in these clutch spots is the Phoenix Suns and the L.A. Clippers, who are both ahead of the Golden State Warriors. You know, one of the most clutch teams in the NBA? The Los Angeles Lakers, they see on Saturday. They're 12-6 and 6 in clutch situations. However, they're a 500-basketball team. So it's really difficult to figure out the rhyme and reason of why the Warriors are or aren't clutch. My thing is, and I think Kerr was touching on it, because they've played in so many of these tight games and they have the 16 losses now on their ledger, we're more inclined to believe that that's who they are as opposed to the 15 wins. Now, I think that there absolutely needs to be some discussion about how they approach those final possessions about what they need to do when Stephen Curry is your go-to guy. Can he be the person he just throw the ball to and say go one on five, go one on one, go whatever, and win us the basketball game? That might be something they need to look at. But the question of whether the Golden State Warriors are clutch or not they're not the most clutch team in the NBA, but they're not as unclutch as a game like tonight might reflect or lead you to believe. They're somewhere in the middle, and right now that's unfortunately the state of their season. And they are 4 games below 500. So, the Golden State Warriors right now in a position to where they got to do some evaluation. Again, they got I think now 8 games until the trade deadline. Um if, if you kind of have a bigger takeaway about where the Warriors are, if they're clutch, if they're not, I do want to hear from you at eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. 957 When we come back, we'll take a look at the hardest worker of the game, also we're extending the three-point line as we move on. This is Warriors Wrap-Up. I do want to hear from you. My name is Evan Giddings. I want to hear from you at eight 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 9570 We're going to take a quick break and be back with our final segment here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game.
1: Kaminga to throw it in. Curry far side of the lane. Wiggins near side. Draymond up top. Clay right corner. Ball thrown into Draymond. Bounce pass Kaminga. Goes up and dumped it. The Warriors lead by one. He set a screen for Curry coming out. And everybody looked at Curry and Kaminga with a new career high of 31. Now back to Warriors wrap up on 95 7 the game.
3: Well, that was the, probably the the biggest bright spot of the game, courtesy of Tim Roy on the call for every single Warriors game here on 95.7 The Game. Jonathan Kaminga, I mean, another 20-plus point game for him. His first 30-point game, I believe, of his career, and a career high of 31 points for him, as he was fantastic off of the bench, has really turned into a, a bench just... Focal and score was a plus 16 in 30 minutes, 12 of 19 from the floor, 2 of 4 from three-point range, 5 of 6 at the free-throw line. Also chipped in a couple of steals defensively. Kaminga was awesome tonight, and I know that Curry scored the most points. He had 33, 18 of which... In the first quarter, he really kept the Warriors and and held them in this game when Sacramento went on a 40-point spurt to begin the first quarter. They hit like eight threes in the first quarter. Sabonis was hitting threes. Uh, Harrison Barnes, who had himself a revenge game tonight. Talk about career highs. Uh, Harrison Barnes had a career-high 39 points. Uh, hit seven threes, six of which through the first three quarters. He was lighting it up against the Warriors. Hit a couple of tough jays down the stretch of that game over Klay Thompson. And I'm sure it had to feel very, very good for HB to get his career high against his old team. His previous high against the Warriors, I believe, was 25 so obviously outdid that outdid himself and in 40 minutes really was a huge reason why the kings won this basketball game and unfortunately uh sunk his old team in the process 134 133 is the final score this is warriors wrap up on 95 7 the game uh before we get to our paid dues i do want to get to a couple of our callers and a couple of our texts that we have uh jonathan's been hanging on patiently through the break is out a chase center what's up jonathan how you doing, man? What'd you What'd you think about the end of that basketball game?
4: Oh, I'm devastated. Uh, it was a r- rough night for me all, all the way around. Uh, first, first off, of course, my Heat lost by like 22 to the Celtics in the first game of the TNT doubleheader, and then this one just stung. Absolutely stung to see Harrison Barnes torch us. And uh, uh, last night, I didn't give enough credit to Kaminga because. I've gotten to the Steve Kerr habit of focusing on Steph and Clay for obvious reasons. But, yeah, what J.K. did last night and what he did tonight, literally keeping them in the game, I I want to give all the credit in the world because they would have been blown out without him. Uh, You know, Steph and Clay, Steph did his thing. Clay, you know, was okay. But uh, tonight was the story of, I think, the season and learning again how, it's time for the young guys and time to move on because uh, they just did not execute, uh, especially down the stretch. They kept it a ball game, but it just seemed like every time they got close, you know, a careless turnover, you know, the failure to box out the same mistakes that I've been seeing all season long that got my heat a win here. uh, It's been killing the Warriors all year and it's just doing it time and time again. And I I hope that last night was going to be, you know, a springboard for them with all the emotion. But I don't know if they're just emotionally drained and that's all they have left in them or, or uh, if, uh, if they can muster something. But it seems like two steps forward, three steps back every time they come out. And uh, I didn't like what I saw tonight. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty disappointing performance coming off of last night.
3: Thanks, Jonathan, for the call. I guess I I would take a different stance on that, and I understand what you mean by the disappointment. Like, There's no way to slice it. You lose a one-point game, and it ends like that. You're going to leave the game, especially if you're in the arena. There's a lot of people walking out of Chase Center with their heads hung because that was a tough way to lose a basketball game. But you talk about the emotion, and this is where I will give the Warriors credit. Number one, it's a back-to-back. It's never necessarily easy. Number two, that's a good team in the Sacramento Kings. Again, this is now three straight games that they've played this season that have been won by either side by one point. So you knew it was going to be a close game coming in. In fact, I encouraged everyone to take the Warriors plus two just on the off chance that something like that would happen. The Warriors, yes, have been an emotional wreck for very obvious reasons as of late. To me, that did make the effort that we saw, offensively speaking, very impressive. Because they came out last night, and you saw the whole pregame ceremony. They were in tears, and they did what they did. They played with joy. They took care of a pretty porous Atlanta Hawks team. And then you turn around tonight for a Kings team that you knew was going to give you their best effort, even though they hadn't been playing their best basketball lost four of five coming into the game and you still took them down to the wire. Steph Curry played 36 minutes. Like I, I actually did think from an emotional standpoint, the Warriors did put their best foot forward. It's also not as if this team has been necessarily defensive bulwarks the entire year. Even when Draymond Green's been in, they've still been giving up large amounts of points, and that's one thing I also think Steve Kerr will change. I, I know this is going to get lost in all of this. I do think Draymond Green will be starting as of Saturday, against the Los Angeles Lakers. And the reason is because of these slow starts or the fast starts by the opposition tonight, the Kings, in the first quarter at the beginning of this game and in the third quarter at the beginning of the second half. You saw in about six minutes, the Kings get out to a blistering hot start from three-point range. Warriors weren't contesting much. They were giving up open looks. Kings, to their credit, capitalized. And then there was about a three-minute stretch at the beginning of the second half, in which the Warriors gave up a couple of quick baskets, and you saw Kerr go immediately to Draymond around the nine-minute mark of the third quarter. I do think Draymond Green will be starting come Saturday against the Los Angeles Lakers because they need his defensive presence. He's not the same guy he used to be, even with him in. They're not a top-five defensive unit. They're not close to, but they're significantly better with him, obviously, in the game defensively, and I do think that's a quick change that's going to be met, but I think emotionally, if we're talking about it, you know, the, the Warriors gave all the They could uh, based on where they've been, of course, the game they played last night uh, and the opponent that they were facing. So I I, I do want to give them credit from the emotional standpoint, not that it makes the loss feel any better, uh, but I would push back a little bit there. Also, a reminder... Matt, you are listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ-FM, and HD1 San Francisco. Always live in the free Odyssey app, Twitch, and YouTube powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Well, speaking of kind of emotion, speaking of heart, let's get to our hardest worker of the game. Brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office, who works hard to serve the community. Are you looking for a career in law enforcement? Learn more about job opportunities at joinacso.com. Your hardest worker of the game is Jonathan Kaminga and it's felt this way for a bit now. Kaminga with a career-high 31 points. It's unfortunately going to be wrapped in the umbrella of a one-point defeat at the hands of a NorCal rival. That certainly sucks. But Kaminga, once again, once he got downhill, and even the three ball was falling for him tonight, two of four, I think three, four attempts for him from three-point range is perfect. If the shot is going, continue to use it. If it's not, don't feel don't feel afraid to attack the 10. Don't feel afraid to get into the paint because he's done that with so much consistency, especially last night against the Hawks. But here this evening, you can take DeMontis Sabonis off the dribble. You can take Kevin Herter to the rack. You can punch it on even someone who's as physical a defender as Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray. This is a team that Jonathan Kaminga can take advantage of with his physicality, speed, and growing post-game. So I was glad to see Kaminga continue to attack and get downhill to the point where now Kaminga, and this is kind of my my larger takeaway from him from this game, Kaminga continues to look like a cornerstone player. I don't know about a guy who can be a number one for a a championship team or a guy that's going to blossom into a a two-way perennial all-star But he looks like someone that you can build around or build with if you're looking at a future piece for this franchise. He's averaging 19 points on 60% shooting right now in the month of January. That includes nine games, career-high 31 points tonight, Kaminga is looking like a cornerstone player and he continues to play like it and I'm glad that he's being rewarded with minutes whether it's in the starting unit whether it's off the bench. Steve Kerr has clearly communicated what Kaminga he wants him to be offensively and it looks like to his credit Jonathan is taking that and he is running with it. So he is our hardest worker of the game and that will also bring us into our extending the 3 point line and tonight it is none other than the chef himself though he did have the final turnover. It was also a big reason why the Warriors were in this game.
1: Draymond penetrates, in trouble. Picks it up, finds Curry, relocation, three, got it! Fox lost him. He was watching the ball. How do you lose Curry? I don't know, but it happened. 128, 127, Curry with 31.
3: Curry ended up with 33. He needed 35 to win this game for the Warriors. Uh, But I will say this. Because Curry had 18 first-quarter points. I think he had 15 points in the first eight minutes. I I know that he's going to want that last possession back, but if you just look at this game, like if he hit that buzzer-beating shot, you know what we'd be talking about in the post game tonight? We'd be talking about the fact that Curry always is always aware of the news around the league, and that was earlier today him not being named an all-star starter. Now, he was nice at the podium, and he said Luka Doncic and Shea Gilgis-Alexander were absolutely deserving, and, and quite honest, I think they are. We're going to talk about it tomorrow on Stiney Guru from 10-2, to 2. but you don't think he saw that? You don't think he wanted to prove a little something tonight? You don't think he wanted to go out there and put on a show on TNT, on national television, to prove people wrong? He came out firing. He came out shooting the lights out of the ball, and he was... He was the reason why the Warriors might not have been down by 15 or 20 points in the first quarter. He was the only guy that was able to put the ball into the hoop with any form of consistency. And he's done that all, you know, obviously throughout his career. But he's the petty king, the self-proclaimed petty king for a reason. And that, to me, is what we would be talking about, large in part, if the Warriors had won this basketball game, that Curry saw who was starting, his name not being there, and went out and tried to put on a show. And for the majority of the night, he did. Unfortunately, the final turnover kind of mars his evening. Um, so that is our extending the three-point line. And, of course, that is brought to you, as always, by West Coast Men's Health. Successfully treating men for ED and chronic pain, visit West Coast men Health. Uh, taking any final calls here on 95.7 The Game, 888-957-9570. Uh, for the 925 of the Comcast Business Tech Slam for as hard as Foxes to guard, J.K. played great defense on him. I'm with you there. Fox had a – he would kind of had a weird night for the Kings, like – I don't know if anybody else felt this way, but it seemed like he was kind of floating throughout the game. And he was, look, he ended up with 29 points, 9 of 16 from the floor. I know he was a minus 12, um, but he kind of seemed like he was just gliding out there, like he was going through the motions and still ended up with 29 points. He hit those two big threes in the final five minutes of the fourth quarter in clutch time, by the way. Uh, that got the Kings a little bit of separation before the, the Warriors fought back and eventually took the lead at 133-132. to 132. That was their final lead of the evening as a Sabonis dunk ends up being the go-ahead basket uh, for the Sacramento Kings with about 30 seconds left. The Warriors, of course, had a chance to call a timeout. We've been through it. To me, there are three players on that play that should have called a timeout, one of them being the head coach, or not players, three people on the floor that should have called a timeout of the situation, one being the head coach, Steve Kerr, the second of which, and in fact, he admitted it at the podium moments ago, Stephen Curry. I think I said around five seconds there was a chance for him to call a timeout. He said it was around seven seconds, but once the play broke down, he absolutely could have called a timeout. And I think the third guy is also Draymond Green. Um, once he saw that that play wasn't going anywhere, because Draymond Green also, a a piece of that that I left out was, he was supposed to be the pick and roll partner for Steph. So when he sets the initial pick, the double team is obviously going to come. If he sees that Steph is trying to keep that ball, make something happen, in which he has no ability to maneuver because there's arms and bodies around him, well, then you can call a timeout. You don't have to have the ball in order to do that. You just have to have possession uh, as a member of the team. So I thought there were three people that could have called a timeout In the heat of battle on that play, if they decided that that was going to be the case, and they did. It's a philosophical choice by the Warriors in most cases to not call a timeout, to let the play kind of roll out, but there absolutely should have needed to be a timeout in the middle of. Of that final 15 second last possession, that unfortunately is a big reason why the Warriors lost to the Sacramento Kings by a final score of 134 to 133. So eight at 9570 is the number. Evan Giddings with you here on Warriors Wrap Up. I'm seeing some people chime in on YouTube powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Well, I know TJD tonight. Uh, yes, that that was a question that was not asked. I, I guarantee you that will be asked, though, on Saturday. A lot of those questions, to be honest, and I understand that people are wondering where certain players are, uh, certain minutes, certain rotations. I do think that's something that is a little bit more of a, a pregame type of question. Like tonight, a big theme of the the pregame availability was, well, how do you feel about the Wiggins and Kaminga minutes? And again, I last night they were good against Atlanta. I also felt like the Warriors played their best stretch of basketball, Though they were only plus two in like five minutes in the second quarter, kind of down the stretch there, I thought they played their best stretch of basketball with the following five on the floor, and that was Curry, Clay, um, Sharich, and then—oh, sorry. No, no, no. I apologize. Curry, Kaminga, Wiggins, Draymond, and Sharich. Now, Scharch overall was not great in this game, though he did shoot the hell out of the rock. But I thought that he wasn't rewarded in the plus-minus category because during that stretch in the second quarter, in which they really went tit-for-tat with a lot of the scoring that the Sacramento Kings were able to put in, they played very well offensively. They looked like they were in a flow, and I thought that that was a great example of how maybe... Draymond can glue or bridge Wiggins and Kaminga together. The one thing about it is, and this is becoming abundantly clear in regards to Kaminga, uh, Kerr does not necessarily use him as a 3. And Wiggins is really the only true 3, or small forward, if you will, on the roster. Kerr, if he is going to use J.K. at that 3 spot, it's going to be with Charge because he has to have him out there, he feels, in order to space the floor. And I think it's the right choice, because you want to have Kaminga with room to operate in the paint. That's where he's the most dangerous. That's where he's effective. That's where he's explosive. And that's where he can really hurt other teams. So, you know, I, I think the the question about TJD will be asked on Saturday, just like the question about those two wings being able to play together were asked today. Uh, to me, I did think that Looney... Looney did not help them tonight. I don't know if he necessarily hurt them, uh, but he definitely did not help the Warriors this evening. TJD would have been an interesting choice against Sabonis because Sabonis isn't your prototypical post player. And he's someone that kind of just draws out a, a five. So, like, I honestly, to me, if anything, Kerr probably should have leaned more into a smaller lineup than to play Looney at all. Like, I, I, TJD probably could have played, he probably could have played a few minutes tonight, but if anything, this is the type of team in Sacramento where I feel like the Warriors could play almost five-less basketball, or Draymond to be the quote-unquote five, but like, Charge could be out there, you probably wouldn't be hurt too badly, I, I just felt like this wasn't a game where you had to overthink it in terms of your bigs, you didn't need a ton of size, outside of maybe the last possession in which you couldn't grab those two offensive rebounds. But I don't think that Looney makes a difference. I don't think TJD is able to make a massive difference in that spot in reference to helping all the other areas. So we'll see if Kerr's asked about it on Saturday. I believe that he will be. Uh, I also think TJD will play on Saturday because we're talking about matchups and the Lakers offer size. And I think TJD will play against Los Angeles on Saturday. Uh, one last call as we get this thing uh, just about wrapped up here on Warriors this week. Nico is out of Chase Center. What's up, Nico? How you feeling after the game?
2: What's up, E? How you doing, my man?
3: Good, my man. How are you?
2: <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, you know who it is. For one, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to I got say you, man. It's, a, it's a beautiful thing to to hear you on the radio, as always. Very, very Thanks, proud man. of you to, to to see you doing your thing, man. Um, I got off early and and had a chance to go to the game, which is great. Um, oh hell yeah! I think it's great that. Um, that you know jk is kind of blossoming into being the second option for the warriors that they haven't had for quite some time this season um but as a as a diehard warriors fan it's kind of tough watching steve kerr coach coach the guys out of so many games um this isn't the first time and it's not the fifth time or the tenth time this year um you know they're taking a lot of l's and i feel like a lot of his coaching decisions are affecting that um and, yeah, man, it's just a bummer. It just seems like, you know, if, if if I was in second grade and my dad was coaching the team, he's calling a timeout there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just kind of sucks, and um, I, I, I don't really know what else to say at this point. Um, you know, Steph turning the ball over there is a bummer, but we know that Steph has been a little bit turnover prone over his career, and, uh, you got to give it up to HB and you got to give it up to, to De'Aaron Fox for hitting a bunch of threes just kind of early on in the shot clock in this game that he normally doesn't hit. You know, I'm sitting in the stands and every time he's pulling up, I'm like, yeah, you know, give him that shot and, and he's hitting them. Um, but it just sucks. There's only, there's only so many kind of gut-wrenching games that a team can lose before you feel like your season is over. And this is probably six or eight of those. Um, so it's just – it's a little bit of a bummer, and I'm hoping that that something changes. I'm I'm not saying fire Steve Kerr because I love the guy. I think he's done a really good job over the last ten years, and especially pulling them through this tough time. But just seems like something's got to change for them to start pulling through in the in these clutch games, and hopefully turn the season around.
3: Thanks, my man. I appreciate that, Nico. Uh, very loyal Warriors fan. I've known him for a long time, so that that call certainly does hit. Like I I understand the frustration with Steve Kerr, and I think he kind of touched on the reason why it's been so glaring, especially this season, which is, if you're in so many close games, and again, the Warriors have won, or are tied for the second most clutch wins in the NBA. They're also up there, they have the third most clutch losses. In the NBA, they're 15 and 16 now. They played 31 of these close games. They're about a 500 basketball team as far as the record is concerned. You know, I don't know how many more head coaches would be able to extract five to 10 more wins out of some of these games. I, I don't think Kerr is without, it goes without criticism. And in a game like this, Gosh, I mean, they gave up 22 three-pointers to the Kings. That's the second most they've made this season. Defensively, they have not been good really the whole year, but especially the last, I would say, month and a half, about the time where Draymond decided to get himself uh, checked in or checked out. Like, Yes. Some of this is on Kerr. I think some of this is also just on the roster that he has at his disposal. And so when you don't have as as good of a basketball team, to your point, when you make a decision that is wrong, that is much more glaring than if you mess up and you got a damn good basketball team that can overcome your mistakes, that can pick you up, or that isn't going to Lose a game because they're just a better team. Like, and this is this is kind of, I guess, the analogy I'll use. Like, if Steve Kerr has, on average, let's say, ten difficult choices to make in a basketball game, okay, well, in twenty seventeen, when he was riding with KD, Curry, Clay, and Dre, he could get four out of ten right, and they'd still win the game by fifteen or twenty. They'd win going away. Now, he could make Eight, correct, difficult decisions of the 10 throughout the basketball game. But because there's such a slim margin for error with this specific group, those two mistakes, and not calling a timeout on the last possession of that game was absolutely a mistake. But that's going to be the difference, and that's what's going to get you beat. That is what is going to kill you. So Steve Kerr, I still think, is a really good head coach. And I'm with you. I I hear the love for him. But I just think with how kind of mid right now this team has been, and it shows it has shown itself to be throughout one half of the basketball season, anytime he messes up, it's gonna hurt. Just like also, because I think one of the the biggest reason the Warriors are the dynasty they are is because of number thirty. Curry has provided the most to this Warriors dynasty. He's the best player currently on the team. When Curry has a mistake like he does on the final possession of that game, that's going to hurt. When Curry makes a mistake, that's going to hurt the Warriors. And it ended up being. And he even admitted that he could have bailed his head coach out by calling a timeout with seven seconds left. I also contend that Draymond Green could have called a timeout. I think he's got the cachet and the wherewithal to make a choice in that type of situation. You know, I'm looking at people on YouTube saying, you know, I can't believe Kerr's watching uh, Nicole uh, Nicholas, (laughs) probably Nicole Nicholas Robertson, watching Clay get cooked all fourth quarter. I mean, I I don't know if you if you saw Harrison Barnes tonight. Harrison Barnes was giving it to whoever was in front of him. I think I think Andrew Wiggins did get a stop on him uh, after Clay got a couple of tough turnarounds thrown on top of him. But Harrison Barnes scored 39 points tonight. He made seven threes. He had a career evening. I, I, like. I don't know what you want. I don't. I don't know what you want to do. Like the Warriors have a, a couple of good perimeter defenders, but then you're leaving other guys open that can make threes. And again, they made 22 three point shots tonight. The fact that the Warriors had a chance to win this basketball to the basketball game to me is almost miraculous. They made 22 three-point shots. They shot nearly 60% from the floor, and the Kings only turned it over 10 times. They had 33 assists to 10 turnovers. They shot 46% from three-point range. They only missed three free throws. They scored 134 points. The Warriors were in a position to win that basketball game. That, to me, is pretty damn impressive. Like, and that's why, again, especially with everything they've gone through emotionally, I don't think they had an emotional shortcoming tonight. I don't think they were spent. I think they threw the kitchen stink at, at the Sacramento Kings. And the fact that they're only down by three points in the half, I also thought was pretty damn impressive. Curry throughout this game was really good. Thir- 13 of 26. He hit six threes. Um, you know, like, the bench, mainly Kaminga, but I thought that Pajemski provided some punch off the bench. Draymond Green, who, who did end up coming off the bench, he played 31 minutes in this game. I think he's going to be the starting lineup starting on Saturday against the Lakers. I thought Draymond played largely well in this game. Who is it that he uh, – I think it was Trey Lyles that he just volleyball spiked in the second half, pretty disrespectfully, by the way. Um, also, saw Draymond Green keep his head a couple times, as, as much as Draymond Green can. But when Malink Monk tried to test him once – and then twice. When, who was it? Was it Kessler Edwards was talking trash to him on the baseline he was headed to the free throw line? Draymond Green wanted to chomp his head off. Um, so, you know, so, like, I think this was, and this is what sucks. This is what hurts. I thought the Warriors played a really good game. The Kings played a one-point-better game. And that's the kind of affair that they've been tied in too many times this season. And that's why, I, I look, I understand when it's hard to figure out You know, what's going wrong? Who's to blame? Who's this? It does fall at the head coach's feet. But in a lot of these games, from a micro standpoint, it is hard for me to look at him and say that Steve Kerr is the biggest problem right now with the Warriors. I think they have a lot of issues. They had a lot of issues before the tragedy happened. And it's not as if those things were going to instantly go away. I was hoping that they could grab a couple of wins beginning last night and then tonight because you got two tough games left in the rest of your small homestand with the Lakers on Saturday and then Joel Embiid, who's probably going to win another MVP this year and the Philadelphia 76ers on Tuesday before you got a tough five-game road trip. You were hoping you could build some momentum because by the end of that road trip, you're probably going to have to decide whether you want to make some moves because the trade deadline is coming up on February 8th. And I do believe the final game of that road trip is in Indiana, and that is on February eighth. So by the end, by the next homestand after this, the Golden State Warriors could look like a very different basketball team. And I think it's kind of trending that way because it's going to be just—it's going to be hard to justify for a lot of people to just run this team out there for the rest of the season if they continue to play four games under 500 basketball. Stephen Curry has already said at the podium to the public, "The definition of sanity is of insanity is continue to do the same thing expecting different results." That to me is, of course, a great quote, but it's also a sign that he doesn't want to keep doing this. He doesn't want to keep looking up at the end of games and saying, "Well, we won this one in the clutch, we won that one in the clutch." No, I think he would like to win a basketball game going away. I think he would like to be in a position where he doesn't have to stress about when to call a timeout, what a coach is calling a roster decision, a rotation. I, I do think Steph would like to play some stress-free basketball. And for the majority of this year, they have played now, again, or pardon me, they are three games uh, below 500. Um, 19 and, pardon me, they are four. 19 and 23. So the Warriors have played now 42 games. little over halfway through the year. Of the 42 games, 31 of them essentially have come down to the final five minutes. That, to me, is the sign of a team in which does not know who they are. They don't have an identity right now, and that's why they're in so many close basketball games in so many different ways, and why we spend a ton of time here on Warriors Wrap-Up trying to figure out how to solve this team. And it, it is really frustrating. It is difficult to watch. But all we can do is continue to break down these basketball games and see if the Warriors can dig deep find a way to come up with a couple of wins, or do they need to start making some moves? Do they need to do it now because they don't have a lot of time? They're not going to be making a move at the head coaching position. As much as some people might want it, it's not going to be happening during the middle of this season. If it did happen, uh, which I still don't think it does, it would be logically at the end of his contract at the end of this year. Uh, But as for this game, certainly Steve Kerr wears the loss. I think Steph Curry wears the loss. I think that decision makers that could have changed something down the stretch of that final possession, they take they take this loss. And the Warriors as a whole are nineteen and twenty three. They wear the loss. So, unfortunately, that's where we're at, uh, and that's going to put a bow on this edition of Warriors Wrap-Up. Appreciate everyone that called in, that chimed in on the Comcast business text line, that has chimed in on our YouTube chat, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. I know sometimes we disagree. I know sometimes we agree. But at the end of the day, this is a great place to try and figure this thing out right now because the Warriors are in a tough spot, both, of course, on the court and off the court. They've gone through something that no team should have to, and they're still trying to figure this thing out. So we'll be back again. They play next on Saturday. That's a 5.30 tip, nationally televised game on ABC. LeBron James and the Lakers are in town. I'm sure that's going to be a big one. I look forward. I'll be there for pre and post for that game. I look forward to talking to you then. We'll be live at 4.30. Uh, But as for tomorrow, make sure starting at 6 o'clock, morning roast, Along with Steiny and Guru, I'll be filling in for Steiny tomorrow from 10 to 2. And then, of course, our afternoon show with Willard and Dibs from 2 to 6. We're going to be rocking mostly Niners, but I'm sure we will be talking about this game. We will be getting in, uh, but we, of course, have to devote some attention to a team that is figuring some things out, that has figured some things out, and right now is in a position to attempt to go to the Super Bowl and that's the San Francisco 49ers. So I'll be looking forward to talking to you uh, on pregame. Warriors live at 4.30 on Saturday. In the meantime appreciate you. I'll talk to you tomorrow on You, I appreciate you all. Uh, please chime in and uh, tune in to 95.7 the game tomorrow as this has been Warriors uh, wrap-up, and it has been presented by Xfinity, the Xfinity 10G network made for streaming live sports. And my name is Evan Giddings saying so long and good night after the Warriors fall to the Sacramento Kings final score, 134 to 133. Big thank you to Sterling Bennett back in studio. Big thank you to everyone who's been cutting tonight. Big thank you to all those of you listening on 95.7 The Game. We'll talk to you next time.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,